Welcome to this week's episode of the Minnesota Values Podcast. This is your co-host, Jamie Long. Co-host Liz Olson, unfortunately, is not going to join us this week. She is working hard on the conference committee to try to work on her opioids bill. So we wish her well with that process. So our guest today is Representative Rob Eklund. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jamie. I'm happy to happy to share your th- our thoughts. Well, we're happy to have you. So uh, we always start off our episodes by asking you a little bit about your district. So tell us about the, the place you represent. Well, I have the largest, di- I represent the largest district in the state, and uh I like to say one of the fun facts about my district is uh, without my district, Minnesota wouldn't have a point. So, <laughs> But I, I have from uh, western Kutchin County all the way down to northern Itasca County across heading to the northeast uh, up to Lake County and Cook County. It's a pretty big area. So how long does it take you to drive end to end? So if I drive from Grand Portage to Clements in Minnesota, which is actually in Lake of the Woods County, but it's right on the county border, it would be about a five and a half hour drive if I stopped once. Well, that's, that's a pretty big district. Pretty big district, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, are having you on today in part to talk about the broadband uh, bill that you're working on, which is one of our top 10 bills in the Minnesota Values, uh, top 10 bills that we put forward as a caucus. So tell us a little bit about what the bill is trying to do. Well, what the bill's trying to do is is we're, we're going to, uh, it's for $70 million, $35 million for each year of the biennium. And it's it's a pretty basic bill. What it'll do is is go to the uh, office of broadband in the deed in the Department of Deed, and it'll it'll be a compar- uh, it'll be money for a competitive grant program. So people that are trying to uh, uh, re- uh, affect, or take care of the unserved and the underserved can apply for grants, and and uh, hopefully the projects will go through and help people that do not have broadband yet. In, in the state of Minnesota. Last I saw, there's about 186,000 Minnesotan, Minnesotans and businesses that don't have access to broadband right now. Wow. That's a lot. And I've, I've seen uh, a couple of maps. Your, your bill has been through uh, ways and means, which I sit on. And we saw the map that had uh, the gaps around the state. And it's, it's all over the state, right, where people don't have access right now. You know, you're right. And when I got involved in this, I thought, well, down here in the Twin Cities in St. Paul, that we have good coverage. And come to find out, there's pockets of all around the metro and the suburbs that do not have good access to broadband. And we need to fix that. That's the, uh, I believe, it's the economic driver of the future. Right. It absolutely is. I mean, it's hard to think about an individual now being able to, uh, go to school or have a business without having access to broadband. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much, so many school requirements and other things that, that uh, the kids get iPads now in school, and they're, and they're expected to do their homework on them. And if you don't have, if you don't have uh, broadband in home, the, the stories about people parked in uh, McDonald's parking lots and public library parking lots are true. They're, get, they're going there to get on the free Wi-Fi. Right. So $70 million. So how does that compare to, to what we've done so far to try to get at this problem? So in the last five years, I believe there's been about $85 million that has, has been appropriated for, for it, and uh, the Office of Broadband has done good work with that to get, get the projects out. It's a program that works. Uh, this $70 million uh, over the next two years is probably about halfway to what DEED recommends that we're going to need to fix our, our broadband problem in the state of Minnesota. So making a, a really big dent. Yep, I think it'll, I think it'll go a long ways. Yeah. And so uh, what, are, what are some of the stories that you've heard as you've been working on this project to uh, see, you know, how is this affecting real people in your district or around the state? Well, I'll use an example, Jamie. Up in International Falls, United Healthcare announced that they're, they're closing their center. 
but they're not laying anybody off. Everybody's going to keep working. They're going to be able to work from their homes. That's great. The uh, I, uh, the number of people that work at the United Health Care up there that they can stay in the area and, and continue their work. But I've gotten calls from a couple of constituents that actually have to move really? because they don't have broadband in their homes that, that is adequate for the work they need to do. So they're actually moving from the countryside where they don't have good broadband into the city where they can either get hooked up to cable or there's, or there's better service. And, and, you know, it's really too bad because people put their... Uh, their hopes and dreams into the property they own, and then right. then to have to move to keep work, even if it's a, a move of a short distance, they're happy to stay in the area. But it's really too bad that they have to get rid of their homes to be able to keep their jobs. Right. Well, and there's an awful lot of teleworking that happens these days, and people can't make the choice to do that if they're living in a place that uh, is in a broadband desert. Yep, exactly. And you know, I've got another example. I've got a friend that lives right down the road from me. Her and her husband live about a mile and a half from my house, and she's a a scheduler for a company in Iowa, and uh, she does all the scheduling for shipments and that sort of thing. And I, I'm not a computer person, but she hits download or whatever she has to do for her schedule, and then she has to walk away because she can't stand there to sit and wait for the time it takes to actually download and get her stuff out, and it, it wow. drives her crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's people like her that I'm, I'm trying to do this work for because right. they, they want to live in the area, they want to do their jobs, and they just need the good tools to to continue doing it right well yeah that reminds me of the battle days and you know <laughs> i haven't had that issue for over a decade it feels like where i've had to sit and wait for a download isn't that something yeah and and i and i'm the, the those of us in rural minnesota are framing this is uh this is similar to rural electrification right we it, need, it needs to be done when we uh when we had the uh rural electrification they said they couldn't do it and it can be done. And, and for the areas, you know, I, and Jamie, in my district, I got a lot of places where it's a mile or two between phone, or not between phone booths, between uh, mailboxes. And so if it's a mile or two between uh, mailboxes, we might have to employ satellite internet or, or other means to be able to do it. But, right. but in, in today's, with today's technology, it can be done. Well, so I, uh, when I was out campaigning uh, for election this last year, I met a constituent who was from the range. Uh, now lives in, in my district, and uh, he told me that the reason he moved down to Minneapolis was that he wanted to start a small business, but there wasn't broadband available where he lived. And so he said, well, if I'm not going to be able to live at home, I might as well move to the city. So he wanted to stay in uh, in the range. He wanted to stay in his hometown, but but he couldn't because he couldn't start a small business. Well, not that I'm not trying to get your constituents, but <laughs> we get this bill passed and bring uh, better service to the range. He can move home and bring his business I, I'm with sure him. I'm sure he'd rather. <laughs> he, I, I think he likes my district, but he he wanted to be home. <laughs> yep. So and and you know we all wherever we grew up, uh, home always has the attraction. You want to come back, right? You know, so and and this bill will help you know, bring people back. And you want people to have the option about about where they get to choose to live and not have to move to the city just to keep a job. Absolutely. Right. So. Well, this is a great bill, and I really appreciate your work on it. So one other uh, topic I wanted to get to talk to you about is you're, you're the chair of the, the Veterans Committee here in the House, and i um, been hearing some great work coming out of that committee. So would love it if you'd talk a little bit about some of the bills that you've been working on there. Well, and, and it, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to chair that committee, and I've, I, uh, I'm a veteran myself, veteran of the Marine Corps, and uh, you know, so a lot of the focus that we, we had on committee hearings this year was veterans' mental health and homelessness. And, and we talked to a lot of groups. They came in and did presentations. And I wanted to make that the focus of the committee this year. 
And, and towards that, uh, I'm, I'm real proud of some uh, legislation that Re Representative Jay Zhang and I are both carried is the uh, Veterans Restorative Justice Act. I carried the policy bill on that, and he carried the finance bill. And what this bill will do is, is help people that are uh, veterans that maybe get in trouble, they're not ready to come back to the civilian life and maybe find themselves in, in trouble with, with the law. If it's not serious offenses, it can steer them towards a uh, veterans court to help them overcome it, similar to what our drug and alcohol co courts are doing across the state. And I, I, uh, I look at this as a real, real uh, example of the way we can help our veterans. And, and for me as a policymaker, and obviously we don't do it from the state of Minnesota, but if we can commit our young men and women to go overseas and fight for our country, we can certainly make sure that we take care of them when we come back. So I'm, I'm really excited about this bill and, and, uh, and, uh, It'll be part of the state government finance bill when all said and done, and I'm looking forward to getting it passed. I think it's that's a really great model to have uh, courts where folks are able to go and get the services they need instead of spend their time in jail. Right, get get the opportunity to get back on their feet to get if it's an addiction issue to get that treated, if it's a mental health issue to get services for that. And I think um, are we seeing those that uh, the demand for these courts is uh, pretty high in the community. We'll see. We'll see more and more of it. And one of the examples, the young man that testified in front of our committee, uh, he did twelve tours in Iraq or Afghanistan. Wow! And what we're doing now is we don't. We're not sending as many of our of our young men and women overseas anymore. But what we're doing is we're sending them there more often. And when he was broken down and couldn't do it anymore, he got a medical discharge from the military, and all of a sudden he found himself from being a special forces member to having to live in his community and and uh he had troubles and yeah. he and he struggled and and he got into this uh into this program and it's straightened him out now he's a public speaker and helping he's going to college i believe he's pursuing his law degree and and uh he's it's a success but it very easily could have gone the other way if he hadn't gotten the help he needed right i think these veterans courts are such a model for how we can do criminal justice better and I'm glad we're glad we're doing it for our, our returning veterans. I am too, and you know we don't need to incarcerate any more people than we already are. So it, 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 I think it'll make a big difference, right? And veterans' homelessness too. I think that's been. Um, I know some a, a number of other states have uh, focused on this too, and have claimed that they've gotten to zero veteran homelessness. And have uh, what progress have we made in Minnesota? Minnesota is getting real close to uh, being one of the states that has zero veterans homelessness. Our, our our uh, greater Minnesota communities have done a great job. They have uh, smaller populations that, to deal with and stuff like that. Uh, Ramsey County, I think, is a shining example. They're at zero. Um, Hennepin County is working on it. Our big counties are down here working on it. And, and uh, uh, I, I think we'll be real close to being declared one of the states that has zero veterans homelessness. That's a, that's a real goal to co uh, go after. Wouldn't that be great? It would be. Yeah. What's it uh, been like being a chair of a veterans committee and having a veteran governor to work with? Well, we, I, I, it's been great. Uh, Governor Walls has been uh, fully supportive of what we're doing. And in fact, this uh, Veterans Restorative Justice uh, Bill, he was at the rollout of it when we when we had it early on in session. And uh, I, I think it's I think it's something that that uh, our, our uh, National Guard and other groups can be very happy that we have a governor that's veteran and will have their backs. Right. And he chaired the Veterans Committee when he was out, or he was the de lead Democrat in the Veterans Committee when he was out in D.C., right? Yep, and, and uh, I think uh, once, once a vet, always a vet, you, you carry that through right. and through no matter where you're at. So I think, it'll be, I, think, uh, I think we'll see good things down the road in the Veterans Committee with uh, Governor Walls Absolutely. in charge.
So you're the Tim Walls of the legislature. Then. Well, I don't. I won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. great. Well, we like to uh, uh, end our episodes with a fun fact about our guests. So uh, tell the listeners something they might not know about you. Well, most people wouldn't know that big, rough, and tough Rob is uh, uh, a ballet uh, dancer. No, I'm just. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a sap. I'm a. I'm a soft touch for uh, for uh, the tearjerker movies. Okay. So, all right. Fun fact about Rob Eklund. What What are a couple of your favorite tearjerkers? <laughs> well, Brian's song always gets me. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, where the red fern go- grows. Where the red fern grows. That's that's a tough one not yep. to be uh, a little foggy eyed at. <laughs> <laughs> well, those so. are good. Well, thank you so much for joining us for uh, this episode of the podcast. Really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you. Look forward to hearing it. Well, that's our episode for today, and we'll be back uh, with you next week to pick up one more of our top 10 bills, and we're getting close to uh, end of session, so we'll have a lot of action for you here on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in.